Creatives Going Viral, an emergency podcast series for creative freelancers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Here to offer creative freelancers help and hope. Creatives Going Viral. Episode 1. COVID-19. The Facts. Welcome to Creatives Going Viral, an emergency podcast series designed to help creative freelancers during the most extraordinary times known in modern history. Here to help you, here to offer hope. My name is Jack Bowman and I'm working with Sarah Berger of the So-and-So Arts Club and Adam Morley, a theatre director and producer, to set up this emergency podcast series to bring you all the information you need. This is our first official episode, after the introduction of Creatives Going Viral in episode zero. If you've not heard that episode, please check it out. It will tell you more about what we are doing and why we are doing this. And, more importantly, how you can own this podcast. This episode is about looking into what COVID-19 is, how it affects everyone and what the best course of action is, particularly for those of us who are more customer facing or client facing than most people in the world. For this episode, Sarah reached out to Victoria MacDonald, Channel 4 News' health and social care correspondent. In addition, she's a highly decorated medical journalist, having begun her career as a health correspondent for the Sunday Telegraph. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, Victoria. Uh I have been a health correspondent for more than 30 years and um, I uh, work um, at Channel 4 News, as you say, and this is uh, both an exciting and a scary story to be working on. She was kind enough to give Sarah some time to talk about COVID-19 and give us the facts behind events. Indeed, the interview begins with Victoria clarifying for Sarah, who currently has COVID-19, Something she wasn't aware of. Um, how well, are I'm, you, by the way? I'm fine, oh, but you don't need to isolate for um, 14 days. You know that, don't you? If you've been symptomatic, you uh, only need to, uh, unless unless um, unless somebody else in the house is as well. How long do I have to isolate for if I think I've got it, which I do? Seven days. Seven. Yeah, and even though you've got a cough, um, that cough will probably last for quite a long time. Yeah, you've just got to make sure the fever's gone down. Our thinking is that for us to start solving these problems, we need to understand what's causing them and how it is impacting our world. As such, this is the first of three pre-edited and recorded instalments where we offer that background. Victoria is one of the most respected medical journalists of our time and we're honoured to have her here to sit down and talk to Sarah about the facts, myths and misinformation around the current crisis. What's happening, this is all very useful actually, what's happening is that I, I feel okay and then suddenly it's as if I'm standing in a shower and then it goes away again. It's really mm-hmm. kind of up and down. It's not consistent. So every time I think, oh, I've definitely turned a corner, then it comes back again. Mm. And I actually think I've had this on and off for about three weeks. I think I had it quite badly before I knew what it was, as it were, and I was out and about at that point, Mm. unfortunately. Mm. So, yeah, it's really, because it's not, because you can't get tested, 
Mm. Um, you don't know, do you have it? You don't know how long you might have had it for. You don't know if you're safe to go back out because you might get it. You mm. might still have it. You know, I mean, this the lack of testing is nuts, actually. Um, because how can we map it? How can we as individuals behave responsibly when you're that uncertain about what's actually going on? <coughs> yeah, I mean, it is a problem. The testing is a huge issue. <clears throat> they have... Um, uh, I received an email this morning, actually, from Public Health England asking for test manufacturers to um, send in applications to have their test assessed. Um, so there are a lot of people out there who have self-testing kits, um, but what they don't know is what their reliability is. So I've been tested with a self-testing kit, and it said that I didn't have coronavirus. It also showed that I hadn't had it. And that's actually the, the, bit, the critical bit is what we need to know is how many people, there are quite a few people who they think who are asymptomatic or who have such mild symptoms that they don't know. And so the self-testing kits they hope will be able to um, show that you have had it. So therefore, if you're a doctor or whatever, you don't have to self-isolate because you know that you're now safe because there's no evidence that you get reinfected. But the self-testing kits, I think we will have the self-testing kits within the next couple of weeks. Fantastic, because also I think that would be very reassuring for people because then you can behave responsibly because you know what your status is and you know whether, for example, I can go and see my 91-year-old mother or not. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, who, who she has a carer, but what happens if the carer gets sick? And yeah. how will the carer know if they're sick, if there's no testing? You know, yeah. that's, so I, I, uh, that's actually good news. And I quite happily fork out for a self-testing kit if it could tell me if I've had it or if I've got it. Or it will be if I've had it by that time. And well, you I can do that now. Yeah, there are places in Harley Street. They're charging a two, between two and three hundred pounds. Uh, to, um, <laughs> yeah. I'd I'd wait if I was you um, <laughs> the NHS ones, but, yes. um, but um, I mean the 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 tests that I had, it, um, they the the manufacturers said that they think it's pretty reliable, but it, I'm not quite sure how reliable the you have coronavirus right now part of it was, but certainly the second part of it to say that you've had it and that you have an immune response to it, you've um. That's, that you're not a vector anymore, presumably, because you've had it. How does that work? If you're immune to it, does it mean you can't pass it on to anybody else? Do we know that? Sorry, the, uh, the word's not immune. Um, it's Hang on, it'll come to me. The, look, once you've had it and once your symptoms have gone, they, don't, they think after seven days you, you don't shed any more viral load, which is why they're saying you can go back out after seven days. So, with this in mind, Sarah asked again, why this idea of 14 days being a standard isolation period? The only way, the only reason you have to to um, stay in for 14 days is if you live with somebody who has symptoms. So you need to stay at home for 14 days from that because then they, so that person goes for seven days, but then you have to go for seven days, thus the 14 days, uh, to make sure you haven't caught it. Um, so I that's see. where the 14 day 
things come in. Seven days is usually fine. That is, well, uh, I can't <coughs> tell you, I'm about to rush out, get, get my um, tracksuit bottoms on and, and go out for some fresh air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's you know, busy out there. I went for a walk this morning. Physical health, while incredibly important, is just one part of this. But Sarah then turned to something we'll be exploring in more depth in the next episode, asking about our mental health. The other thing that I think is very interesting too is what it's going to do to people's mental health. Yeah. Um, people who have to stay inside for a long period of time because they have, let's say, children who have immunodeficiency, um, and so they've got to basically stay holed up for as long as humanly possible, as it were, not to um, risk communicating with other people. And, you know, the only thing that I can draw on is the fact that I was in isolation for seven weeks in Bishkek with pneumonia, with no drinkable tap water and no way of communicating with anybody. And I learned a huge amount from that. Um, So I've got some idea of what this is going to feel like, um, if you're one of the people who has to hunker down for considerably longer. How did you get through it mentally? I mean, what did you, where, which, where did you get to in your depths of, of finding your depths to, to make it all right? Well, the thing was that part of it was um, I was so unwell for a great part of it that I couldn't, I could barely walk. Um, so I watched the detectorists <laughs> and, uh, I watched things that reminded me of home and kind of funny things um, online because, of course, I was in a different time zone as well to everybody who I knew. Um, And towards the end of it, I would swaddle myself up and just go for walks, Um, not going. I mean, it was pneumonia. It wasn't contagious in this kind of uh, way um but it, but i found that the need to exercise and get fresh air once you turned the corner i mean for a lot of it i was sort of delirious actually and so what i think it did do for me is it I'm, and i'm not a person who is good on their own is it taught me to accept my own company it i did do things i sort of did some sewing and things but i also learned that you don't have to be achieving things when you're sick you're allowed to just be sick Mm. Um, and that's quite crucial, actually, to to hoist in, I think, to forgive yourself for not being able to be an active part of society in the way that you're accustomed to and that you're still kind of valid. And I listen to a lot of podcasts because uh, watching things was harder than just listening to things. I think that I think a lot of people are very worried about um, the mental health aspect of this because, you know, if you live alone anyway and then you know you can't go out, I mean, it could be really debilitating. Yes. Um, and I think it's, it's I've been I've been going through my list of friends who live alone. I think I'm just going to make sure I ring them rather than yeah. texting, you know, so that so that you get a, a hear a voice. Totally. One of the things I'm trying to set up alongside this is doing something that can be sent into care homes and particularly old and isolated people or maybe refuges with children. So the, like a little entertainment package, but also something where we can buddy up, where we can have a conversation with those people. So I'm sort of in the process of trying to get hold of different organisations to say, okay, practically, how do we do this? And I've got some people lined up who are 
actors and so on who old people specifically will know so that it will be somebody they've seen or on the telly all their lives reaching out to them and saying hello and singing them a song or reading them a poem or just asking them about their life yeah, uh, nice idea. well the social communication is one of the things that we're going to have to keep going to sustain us through the fear of this uh, uh, and, and the fact that our lives are, are quite possibly changed forever i think so i think so it feel, feels like that maybe um, some of it will be for the better well you never know um i wondered what because we don't have um proper sort of um tracking of what's happening here what is your take on what is you know where are we actually in the kind of spectrum of what's going on how far into it are we do you do you think from what you're you've been able to gather uh, well, we were told last week that we're probably um, two to three weeks behind Italy. Um, and London is worse than anywhere else in the country, which is to be expected because we're such an international city. Everything about closing the pubs last night and um, restaurants and so on is a strategy to try and flatten the epidemiological curve so that uh, we can try and keep as many people out of hospital as possible. So I was filming in a hospital yesterday um, in Kingston, and they've had 18 cases already. Um, but they said Kingston as a borough, for some reason, hasn't had as many, uh, as many cases as the rest of London, and they don't know why. Uh, on the other hand, Northwood Park, uh, which is in northwest London, had to declare a critical uh, emergency um, the, the day before yesterday uh, because they ran out of beds. So you can see that m my understanding is most of the London hospitals are either full or on the edge of being full with COVID-19 patients. It's, you know, we're near, we're near, but maybe another couple of weeks and then all hell will break loose in terms of the hospitals. Um, God. Yeah, I mean, it is quite scary. I, for the first time this week, I, as a journalist, you're always looking, um, you're always looking at the story sort of as if it's over there. You know, you're reporting on it, but there's a slight distance. So, all these years that I've been doing health reporting, and I've done, you know, lots of stories on HIV or TB or whatever, but you've always felt you had a degree of control over that. You know, to not contract HIV or TB or whatever. Um, in this one you know that it's not over there. It's about everybody around you, including yourself. And yeah. that's what makes it so scary. Even though I know I'm a healthy, you know, I'm under 60. Um, but, you know, I know that the, that the odds of me becoming seriously ill are quite low. But the fact is, and this is the problem that they're having, and this is why they've closed down the bars, is because young people, with, because there's been so much messaging saying, you know, if you're an 80-year-old man with coronary heart disease, you know, you've got a very high chance of becoming, of dying, or a higher chance of dying. And they, they were saying a lot of young people were not taking it seriously, so they were still going into bars and restaurants and whatever. The fact is, if you get it, you might be fine, but you might pass it on to your grandparents. Exactly. You know, and that's where they're trying to change the messaging of it. How long do you think this partial, I think we're not, I personally feel that we're not as far into the shutdown as is going to happen in London, 
because it's got to, um, I, I figure, um, to, 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 as you say, um, suppress that, that rising curb. You know, I wonder how long we think this potentially could go on for. And of course, this is a podcast for freelance creatives and everybody, all of us, are instantly out of work. All of our buildings yeah. and so on closed. We're, we're frightened on top of that because we don't know and there is no provision for us as yet in any of the um, budgetary measures that have been taken. I mean, no provision. Um, so we need to, we, I suppose, from a point of view of trying to figure out how to move forward um, and survive long enough for when this does finally die down, which, of course, it will eventually. Um, is there any word as to how long, realistically, that might be? So um, yesterday they released... Um, the, the one thing I must say about this, I've never um, known such openness, in a way, and such transparency uh, in how they're making their decisions. So we've had access now to a lot of the modelling, um, the behavioural science, all the advice that the various um, experts are giving the government and how the government is working out its decisions. Now, some of these decisions are political. There's no doubt about that. But the modelling that we were um, shown yesterday uh, said that shutdown in this form, it's going to go on for a year. Christ. But at different points, they will lift it. So there'll be severe lockdown, or there'll be severe um, isolation and quarantine and so on. And then they'll raise it up again. Um, but because what they don't know about this virus, and this is the critical point, is they don't know, they hope, that it will die down in the summer, like a flu does. Mm -hmm. But there's no evidence that that's going to happen. And of course, if it dies down here, because it's summer here, it's still winter in Australia and New Zealand and so on. So, you know, um, and with the way of international travel, um, it can still keep spreading. So that this was the advice. It doesn't mean to say that, that that's what's going to happen, but they think in order to contain this and to, to get on top of it, they are going to have to have some pretty strict measures in place for a year. I know I, I, I was quite depressed when I saw that, but that's the <laughs> advice that's been given to the government. There was, some very, there was some very cheerful news in the midst of all that, is that they don't think there's going to be mass rioting. Well, that's good. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the behavioural modellers also said that they expect to see um, an increase in altruistic behaviour, which well, we've not seen yet. If, I don't know if you've been to the supermarket. Well, you probably haven't because you haven't no, been I out. Haven't. I went to the supermarket the other day and it was stripped bare. It was like it was like a plague of locusts had gone through. I came out with a packet of venison steak and a green pepper. I'm I'm still not sure how that combination is going to go, but I, I'm looking forward to the recipe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I do genuinely think that there is an opportunity for somebody out there to put together, you know, almost like those wartime book. You know, what can you do with your rations? I actually think there's an opportunity for somebody clever to put together. You know, you've got a, a, a tin of tomatoes and a tin of chickpeas in your cupboard. What are you going to do with it? There are quite a lot of there are online cocktails for because I've spent a lot of time 
sitting here and I, I belong to quite a lot of groups. There are a lot of incredibly supportive, creative groups springing up all over the place with loads of advice and lots of kind of fun things like, look, you can tour around all these museums virtually. Here's access to loads of free books. Here's access to free films, you know. Um, but but in the midst of all of this is a lot of kind of hands-on survival stuff, um, particularly, of course, for those people who are not going to be able to afford to buy any food. I mean, you know, I, it, when you say this will continue in one way or another on and off, I mean, I have to say for us, that's the worst possible scenario because it means we'll never be able to get things up and going because nobody would trust how long that's you can't plan that far in ahead and there'll be no money to do it no no that's the worrying thing let me go back to the testing actually because yes i've finally remembered the word so what they want to do is they want to develop some home testing kits because they do need to know how many people in the population are infected and what they really want to do is to develop an antibodies test to show that you have already had the infection and once you determine that, then you're safe to go out. And as more and more people can be seen, so that's almost the holy grail of all this at the moment. That's what they're working really hard on trying to develop. You know, not just for the likes of you who need to get out there and do some work, but particularly for healthcare staff. You know, cool. if they if they have to keep self-isolating because, you know, somebody in their family's got sick. I mean, I've got I've got some friends who both are doctors at different hospitals and they're both isolated because one has it, one has it and the other one has to has to self so that's taken um that doctor that who was desperately needed out of the system now and when i had the test it showed that i didn't have the antibodies which meant that um i haven't had covid19 yet and yes victoria offered a glimmer of hope every professional in all of this but they are working really really hard on it um and that that will be um really helpful for for you guys as well for for knowing that you can get out safely you could have a theater company made up of covid19 antibody players yeah and then everybody would rush out to get it in order to be able to be part of the well, I mean, exactly. And that's the, that's, you know, there have been these jokes about, you know, having like measles parties yeah. or whatever. Um, that's what they really don't want people to do. Yes, but, you know, course. sometimes there is that. I, I mean, sometimes I feel it myself, you know, if I could get it now, I'm going to be sick for seven days. And although this is the story of my entire life, um, I want to be well for when, for the next few weeks. You know, so yeah. there is a bit of me that thinks if I'm going to get it and I'm reasonably, you know, I'm going on the tube every day because that's the only way I can get to work. Uh, I was filming in a hospital yesterday. Um, you know, it, there, it's reasonably risky behaviour. Don't go to bars or pubs anymore, of course. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The, the um, in Sainsbury's, the wine shelves stripped bare oh my god mm. i'm going to go to the local now that i know i could go out the first thing i'm going to do is go to my local off license he'll have stuff because um they because of where i live and so on people don't tend to use that very much so i'll go down and get i'm just going to stock up basically well the other thing i did think actually in terms of this business of 
for social isolation, one of the things we're going to do is as soon as we're able, we're going to open up our theatre space, get a camera crew in to film live, as it were, 3D. They run a platform where they upload 3D shows onto the platform. People can stream it. So we will find another way of getting people out there so that they can put it onto a platform for future or to, to, to charge a price for people to watch the streaming of it. Or, you know, I think we've got to think outside the box now as to how we survive. If it's going to be, I mean, you know, Edinburgh will be cancelled without question. I, you know, um, there's rumours already that it f fundamentally has been. Um, you know, so we can't do what we do or it's very hard to do what we do um, and eat in the privacy of our own home. So we've got to work out ways to do that now, I think. Yeah. And thank God for the technology, because that makes it possible to do things, um, whether or not well, we we'll get paid. I don't know if you've been watching Channel 4 News, but um, we now have one presenter presenting from home, and we have um, the technology to do that now. And we've we have all just had to download... Um, a thing called wire you and which means that we can broadcast from home if we have to um, because of course you have to try and keep the news going yes uh, so so last night we had Krishnan and Guru Murthy in, in his home and Matt Fry in the studio with me um, the, uh, and then um, and then all our guests are not coming in anymore they're all skyping in or, or um, zooming um, yes, I, I got, I got technology is amazing now to for doing it, and really good quality. I mean, we we never used to do Skype interviews because they they weren't Ofcom quality, um, so you couldn't broadcast them. But now they're just fantastic. Yeah. So I mean, there is. I, I, I'm looking for the hope here, and um, as well as as I mean, the advice is good, and it's you've been so clear, which really helps. I think because. You know, you see so much stuff across the internet and word of mouth and so on. It's very good to get sort of clear, uh, a clear opinion from somebody who's actually looking at the, the reports and talking to the right people and so on. And I think so my takeaway thing from this is that um, I understand the kind of herd immunity um, theory, which is the antibody thing, um, uh, but that we we uh, we've sort of rewritten that slightly in terms of let's not let everybody get it and a million people die and then it'll be all right um it's 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 a bit more sophisticated than that um now and that that we will hopefully be able to get hold of our own tests um and people will have to be repeatedly tested if they don't test positive initially won't they yeah, but the test I did I mean this was for TV so it wasn't because I thought I had it um it made for very good TV, actually. It's quite nerve-wracking. But the um, uh, so they say um, you do it round about between day three and five um, from when you've got the <coughs> symptoms. Um, if if it doesn't test positive, you do it again on day seven. Uh, and if it doesn't test positive, then you probably don't have it. You probably do have a cold. But more importantly, is you're looking for the antibody. Um, to yeah. say that you have had it. And I mean, you know, I, like many people, I'm not terribly good at being told what to do. And the thought of self-isolating, um, especially as much as I love her with a 10-year-old, um, is, you know, but, but 
it is it is so serious yeah you know, there is no there are no two ways about it I mean when I was filming in the hospital yesterday there were five people in intensive care with nurses you know behind massive shields and whatever and you know you just think those those people two or three weeks ago were just wandering around fine and now they're in intensive care you know with an atypical pneumonia yeah god god and you god, know god. you do need to be careful because you're because you know you get um you've had pneumonia already yeah you know and um and and mm, oh god i've got some other advice actually for people is don't smoke and i say this as an ex-smoker don't smoke because yeah. because it it goes into the lungs and they you know there will be some questions once this is all over and once they've been able to do the epidemiological studies properly about whether it affected chinese men more because they smoked i mean there's no evidence of that right now but you have to say it seems i mean i i gave up smoking when my father had mesothelioma just before he got mm -hmm. mesothelioma actually mm -hmm. and uh, if I had ever been inclined to go back onto the fags, watching somebody with an oxygen mask and things yeah. in their own home is enough to stop you permanently. So mm. I haven't smoked for 15 years, mm. um, <clears throat> but I did smoke. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I now look at people, uh, even with the vaping thing, you think, yes, but you're hoiking in alien mm. substances into your lungs and also you're doing these great big gulping big breaths in <laughs> surrounded yeah. by other people in res in relative you know people huddle when they smoke don't they when they yeah. go up. that was the hardest thing about giving up smoking <laughs> a social thing i know they were always the more interesting people at the at the party were always crowded on the balcony thank you so much you too yeah. <laughs> talk to you soon thank you tori thank bye. you bye bye Again, a thanks to Victoria MacDonald and to Sarah for arranging that interview. We hope you found it helpful. In the next episode, we'll talk to Colin Seema about the direct impact on our mental health and how we can cope. And in the episode after that, we'll be looking at the impact on the creative industry as a whole. But then, after that, well, it's up to you. We've said this many times before. We want this to be your podcast. By episode four, we want you to be the ones reaching out, running interviews, speaking to the people you need this podcast to give a voice to. You want voices from all communities, big and small. If you have someone you can interview to help your fellow creatives, please reach out to us and we'll help make it happen. You know the content you need, and this podcast is here to carry that content. Email us, creativesgoingviral at gmail.com, creativesgoingviral at gmail.com. Tweet us at Creatives Going and find us on Facebook, Creatives Going Viral. Please subscribe, spread the word, spread the hope, and not the virus. Until next time. been listening to creatives going viral an emergency podcast series giving you hope and help tell your friends about us tell them to subscribe tell everyone to email us creatives going viral at gmail.com subscribe to our feed for more episodes 
Find us on Twitter, Creatives Going. Find us on Facebook, Creatives Going Viral. Spread the word, not the virus.